Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. I'd like to welcome you to this lecture on Cardiac CT entitled Cardiac CT 3D Volume Visualization. What I'd like to do in this series of lectures is something that uh, has been asked of me at a number of different institutions and meetings, which is to show how we use visualization to look at the coronary arteries, what is our workflow, what do we like to do, and how do we like to do things. So I think that indeed becomes very critical. And we'll go through this in some kind of detail. Now, the first question I could ask is, what is the most accurate technique for evaluation of the heart and coronary arteries on CT? And it's very interesting because there is no perfect answer. There are no papers that look at volume rendering versus MIP versus MPR versus curved planar reconstructions versus axial imaging. Everyone does things differently. We are putting together a paper which has surveyed well over 100 or 150 sites to see how people actually look at cardiac CT. But when you speak to people, some people look only at the axial images. Some people use some curved planars and maybe some multi-planars. Some use 3D. The answers are all over the board. So I'm going to show you what our approach is. Now, it's very important to recognize things that we spoke about before. To do state-of-the-art cardiac CT, you need to be with high spatial and high temporal resolution, and you need true volume data sets. And let me just focus a moment on those volume data sets. And of course, something again in many of our lectures we speak about is isotropic data. And again, when you're looking at a coronary artery that's four millimeters or so in size, you need to look at it in multiple planes and perspectives, and you can't have partial averaging. And so, unless you have isotropic data, things are not going to work out. So, that's a give me. Our other concept, and something, again, I've probably mentioned to many of you in the past, is that when you're looking at a vessel that's four or five millimeters, and you want to say, if is there a stenosis of 50%, then I want to look at things in as many planes and perspectives as possible. We know from looking at a simple ankle, you better look at it in multiple planes or you're going to miss fractures. Well, I want to be certain if there is a stenosis present that it's real, that it is 50% or greater and not 30% or not greater than 70%, I really want to not only detect disease, but quantify disease. And it's my opinion, if you want to do this well and robustly and routinely, you better be able to use all of the different techniques. In saying that, let me look at some of the basic concepts of uh, post-processing, specifically as it relates to cardiac imaging. I'll speak about some of the advantages and some of the disadvantages, and then we'll look at some specific examples. So the first thing is volume rendering. Well, again, there's different types of volume rendering, but when you use InSpace, when you use the classic method developed at Pixar, it provides incredibly good global visualization of the heart in 3D. If you want to show the heart on the cover of Time Magazine or Diagnostic Imaging or your local newspaper, it better be in volume rendering. But it's not just a pretty picture. It really gives you a good feel of the chambers and relationship of chambers to vessels. It gives you a very good three-dimensional perspective. Um, in a process I'll show you, such as myocardial bridging, it very nicely shows you that process. The issue, of course, with volume rendering potentially is that you can undercall or overcall stenosis depending on how you render the image. But again, that's a theoretical issue. It's true. It's not just theoretical, but it's something if you know what you're doing, you will not have that problem. And I think it's very helpful. And I'll show you that in a moment. Maximum intensity projection, MIP. 
is great if you have a long segment of vessel like the RCA and there's no calcifications present. You can really show the vessel nicely. The issue, of course, with MIP is if you have calcifications, you tend to overcall stenosis. It makes it seem as if the vessel's occluded. You need to make sure you do substantial editing of the data set, remove any calcification from the data set. It's very sensitive to contrast or calcification. And again, uh, the tendency is probably to overcall disease, particularly in the presence of calcification. Now the third technique, multiplanar reconstruction, is something that can be very valuable. You can use multiplanar, just simple off-axial projections. If you get a good look on the axial images and you want to follow the vessel, it can be very helpful. A type of multiplanar, curved planar reconstruction, is something that most workstations do offer. It allows you to visualize a coronary as if it was a string and then turn the vessel along the center line. It's a very nice technique for looking at individual vessels. And on the Siemens scanner, it's called circulation. On the GE scanner, it's called something else. So there are many different ways of doing this curved planar reconstruction, but every vendor or almost every vendor has it, though it does vary in terms of quality, how much automation there is built into it, and how much you as the user have to do. So let's look at a couple examples to make a few points. Here's volume rendered images. You can tell it's volume rendered because the aorta stands in front of the pulmonary artery. And you can very nicely see the right coronary artery with the SA nodal branch coming off. Very good visualization of the length of the vessel. You can then take it into MIP and here's that same data set. I've cut it back a little in terms of the volume because I kind of hiding the patients they sending aorta so it doesn't block out the origin of the RCA. You see the left ventricle uh, to the right. Um, look how nicely you see the coronary. You see the SA nodal branch as well. And this is just a good example where MIP is very good. Same case, look at the multiplanar reconstruction in the form of curved planar. Here's the process where the computer recognizes the vessel. You touch two points. The computer tracks those points. You then rotate around the center line. So you're able to get very nice visualization of the patient's right coronary artery. And you can see in this case, I've shown you volume rendering, I've shown you MIP, and I've shown you curved planar. And I've shown them all together. Vessel looks normal in each of them. It's a home run. It's a normal vessel. But again, I like all the information. So let's look at another case. Here's one, volume rendered. You see some minimal stenosis in the proximal right coronary artery. You can see the luminal change on this volume rendered image. When you go to MIP, you see it as well. Maybe you don't see it quite as well. And you begin to wonder how much degree of stenosis there is. And we'll quantify that in a moment. But again, particularly in a case like this where you very nicely can show that the contrast has been pushed through the right side of the heart, you not only see the RCA, but you also see the uh, left main and LAD. Now the point of comparing volume rendering and MIP is shown in this example. Image on your left is the MIP. And again, MIP is great when you use uh, clearing of the right heart by saline. And MIP is great when you have no calcification present. And again, you can define the vessels well, although you want to be careful when you compare the volume and MIP, and you look carefully at the patient's uh, LAD, you can see that it can be difficult to define the origin of the LAD specifically 
on the MIP image because it overlies the aorta. So you need to get things in profile. With the volume rendering, this is not an issue. I mentioned before the issue of calcification, and here's just a good example. Look at the calcification on the volume rendered image on your left versus the MIP on your right. On the volume rendered image, the calcification is peripheral, eccentric, it's probably positive remodeling, but on the MIP image, it looks like the vessel lumen is compromised. Again, a couple other images. Here we played a bit more with the volume rendering, and you can see by rotating plane in perspective and by changing with color mapping, I could show you the plaque that it's eccentric and it's not causing any stenosis. Again, with the MIP, there's an issue. Of course, you can get around that issue by going to curve planar, and it shows very nicely here the calcification proximally, but it's really not causing any stenosis of note. So again, a question on the one image is answered by the findings on the second image. Another case in point. Here's an example showing proximal calcification, LAD. Again, you see it in that one view. Remember with MIP, depending how you rotate things, it may look like it's in the vessel or it may be overlapping and not seem to be in the vessel. We can go from that to the volume rendered image and the image on your left nicely shows the calcification. Again, it's eccentric. This is a view I like which splays the left bank coronary into LAD and circumflex. A very good view for looking at the vessels. If you have a ramus intermedius, it will come right down the center. So let's take those images again and uh, Here's that same calcification. Now, you see on the volume rendered image, you don't see the calcification. That's because the atrial appendage is covering the proximal uh, coronary artery at that point. So, again, you want to be very careful. I think one of the easiest places to make errors, and this might be a good example, is the origin of large vessels like the left main coronary artery because you may not see its origin just perfectly if you're not careful. Another example. Here's a little bit easier. You see, in this case, the patient has calcification that's pretty dense in the LAD, but the issue is, despite the calcification, we make a great diagnosis because the stenosis is proximal. And here it is again with a couple other volume-rendered images, nicely showing a significant stenosis in the 70% range. And here it is again. So it's very important to recognize that by going through the volumes, by going through the curved planars, we're able to not only detect calcification, but quantify. So in this case, we're very comfortable that it's a significant stenosis, and this patient would need further intervention. You can see it again on the curved planar, very nicely showing you the calcified plaque, but what is causing the stenosis in this case is the non-calcified plaque. And again, further intervention was necessary. One question people ask me all the time is, how do you measure stenosis? Is it from 4 millimeters to 2 millimeters? Is that 50%? The answer is yes, but it's hard to use a dimensional measurement, particularly on such a small vessel, but, but particularly because what you're looking at is luminal compromise. And although 4 does translate to 2 at 50%, what if the vessel's very oval? You may get the wrong measurements and overcall stenosis. Remember, what you're really doing is looking at volumes. You're looking at what's the volume of the vessel in terms of cross-sectional diameter, what's happening? When is it narrowed? And so here's a good example. New software, the Q1 point is the point that we're worried about. You then pick a point before and after, 
and then the computer will calculate automatically the decrease in volume. And in that case, it was about a 68% decrease in volume or 70%. So again, very, very important to have these new tools to make your life easier. I mentioned before about using multiple renderings. And here's a good example, volume rendering. And you can see I've circled the significant stenosis with soft plaque and the distal LAD. But I want to show you that, in fact, originally it was subtle in this projection. Well, we were compulsive and did all the curved planars. Look how nicely you see in the distal LAD this extensive soft plaque with 50% narrowing. And then when you play with those images, you really see it indeed very nicely. So again, my point being, you have to look at all of the information in many planes and perspectives. Let me show you another case that really shows the advantages of multiple visualizations. That's myocardial bridging. Remember myocardial bridging, the vessel goes into the myocardium, it gives a pseudostenosis, it gives a step off. You can see it very nicely on this MIP image, circumflex going into the myocardium. You can see it on this set of images. Here's volume rendering. You see it very nicely going there. And in fact, you see it really nicely as you go from MIP to volume rendering. You can see how the vessel is really hidden. It's burrowed into the myocardium. It's not sitting on the surface of the heart as you typically see. And that's classic myocardial bridging. Here's one more view of that with curved planar reconstruction. Very nicely showing you that sort of step off and tapering of the vessel. Now what is myocardial bridging? It's something really, you didn't see very much on angio, no great surprise. You see it a lot on CT. Most people actually thought this myocardial bridging was of no significance, though now there is some question. Well, what is it? Non-atherosclerotic anatomic abnormalities of the coronary arteries, the muscle overlying a segment of the coronary, causes this appearance because the vessel is within the myocardium. Typically, it was felt that this was not associated with clinical symptoms, but that thought process is changing, particularly in patients with atypical chest pain with no other finding uh, noted. A question might be how often do you see it? Here was a recent article that in about 3.5% of cases, it was seen. 15 cases were located at the middle third of the LAD, five distal third of LAD, and two at the proximal third. So it's most unusual in the right coronary artery. And the length of it ran between six and 22 millimeters in this article. And again, it's an important article. It's an important topic to uh, think about. The authors in this paper did say that uh, sagittal NPR images were critical in making the right diagnosis. Uh, they did not use 3D in this case. It would have been very helpful, but again, something to uh, remember. And again, myocardial bridging is characterized by systolic compression of the tunnel segment. It remains clinically silent in most cases. Again, other cases, it can be problematic. So that's kind of my approach to looking at the coronary arteries. Let's look at everything. So now I've given you some background. Let's get started and let's look at a step-by-step -step approach to coronary arteries. And for that, you're going to have to come back to the next segment. See you in a few moments.